0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Yeah, the, the message I'm sharing, it's from a series I did called Welcome to the Promises, to the promised land, and I talked about major promises that we have through Jesus. And uh, I want to talk about the children's bread today, about the promise of healing and the covenant right that we have um, from healing. Heather was asking me um, last night, Aaron, what's your life message? know, uh, I've been preaching for seven years now, I'm going to be preaching longer, but I, I think A lot of things just tie into the blessing of the Lord, what we get to receive as God's kids. And I want to start with this verse in Psalm 37, verse 25 and 26. And I love this. I love this. It's so powerful. It says, I have been young and now am old. Some people can really identify with that first start of that verse. I know Mark can. He's 70 now. He's still young, I, I don't think he's 70, I think he's still 50. My dad maybe, I don't know. <laughs> he just turned 59. <laughs> I've been young and now I'm old, and I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. God loves multi-generational blessing. <laughs> He wants to hit you so hard with the blessing that your mama's going to feel it, that your grandma's going to feel it, that your kids are going to feel it. That's how hard he wants to hit you with his blessing. I have not seen the righteous and forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends and his descendants are blessed. So I'm going to talk about the children's bread. You know, Ashley talked about about, um, provision, about prosperity. That is part of the children's bread. Healing is also part of the children's bread. The the children's bread is blessing. It's what Jesus has prepared for us at that table, that we get to sit down and enjoy in the presence of our enemies. The children's bread. You know, what, what does God want to bless you with? You know, my dad just turned 59 on Tuesday. Heather had him over for enchiladas. For my dad, enchiladas is the children's bread. That is the best thing <laughs> that he could eat. You know, we, we called him in the morning, said, you want to eat enchiladas? Heather will make it for you for your birthday. And he was so excited. The whole day, he was telling his assistant all the staff that I'm going to eat Heather's enchiladas today. <laughs> and he, he was happy and singing all day. And Heather had to do like a, some meeting with my dad with another person who's helping us with Facebook. And it was like a two-hour meeting. My dad was just singing the whole time. Just singing. He he wasn't even caring about what's going on in the meeting. He was just singing, and and Heather was asking the other guy, "Can you mute mute Pastor Lawson?" he's... And it was like a Zoom Zoom chat thing or something. And every time you talk, it it kicks your mic in. And he was just singing the whole time. Yeah. So we we got him a cake, and I I got I got my children's bread, which is a Costco tuxedo cake. I've talked about it before because I think it's one of the greatest cakes out there, and uh. When I first married Heather, we'd go to shop at Costco and I said, hey, we need to, we need to get this tuxedo cake. It's, it's amazing. And she would never let me get it. She thought, anything you buy at a store can't be good. She's from the South. She knows how to cook. This is part of her DNA, part of her blood as a Southern woman. I know, I know what a good cake is and that can't be it. So for a few years, she never let me buy that cake. But, but not too long ago, she let me buy that cake and she tried it and she said, this is good. And I took up an offering, and I used the scripture. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Some people just haven't tasted. They haven't seen. And she's tasted, and she's seen that that cake is good, and she lets me buy it whenever I want. <clears throat> and after I took up the offering and told that story, several people have brought tuxedo cakes to me here at church. <laughs> I've gained a couple pounds since I've tasted and seen. But healing is the children's bread. One aspect of, of this being the children's bread. When you're a child of God, you don't have to beg. You don't have to beg for healing. You're a child of God. This is, this is your bread. This is what God has provided to you. This is a promise to his children. It's actually a covenant right. I love the, the word covenant. It goes beyond the, the, the mere word of a promise. A covenant is a promise that is based upon who someone is. It's a promise that, that is eternal, and it's at the foundational level. It's based upon the essence, the very being of who someone is. And God, God is a healer. His very nature is to heal. God is a provider. You know, and I, I, I love this, this. If you get the whole series, Welcome to the Promised Land, I studied um, just, just all the parallels from the children of Israel going to the promised land. You know, God wanted to, to show them that he was a provider. Even, even when he showed up and talked to Moses from the burning bush, um, God, God told Moses at the very end of their conversation, he said, by the way, it's at the very end of this conversation when God was speaking to Moses from the burning bush, don't forget this, when, when, you, when you're leaving the house of bondage, when you're leaving Egypt, have all the children of Israel ask their Egyptian neighbors, their Egyptian masters for their silver, their gold, and their very best clothing. That's kind of an unusual request. And God told them to do that. And Moses, Moses did what God told him to do before they left. He told them, We're gonna celebrate the Passover, take the lamb, cover cover your you know, doorway with the lamb's blood, the angel of death will pass over. But but um You know, but before you go to bed that night, be sure to ask all the Egyptians around you for their silver, their gold, their very best clothing. And God said to actually put it on your children. Put it on the children. Normally, you don't put your nicest stuff on your kids. (laughs) You know, um, uh, years ago, I I was struggling financially, and my dad told me about Ashley Teredes, who had come to our, our church for a few years, and Ashley um, to provide for his family when he first moved here, he would buy and sell stuff on Craigslist. He'd buy and sell, sell ATVs and campers and whatever he could get his hands on. I thought, well, maybe I can do that. I'm, I was living in Houston at the time. I, I thought, what can I buy and sell? And um, God led me into buying and selling watches. And I got into that, and um, God used, used that to, to bless me, to help me get out of student debt, to eventually put a down payment to buy a house here for when I became a pastor, and um, I, I still, I still like nice watches. I, I've, I've, over the years, I've bought and sold over 3,000 watches. So I just have a knack for finding good deals. I get that from Pastor Lawson. I can see, know how to get a good deal. And, um, you know, my, my son Fisher, he, he saw this watch I'm wearing. It's, it's a very nice watch, and, and he, he said, "Dad, can I have that watch?" Uh, now I'm glad I wasn't one of the Israelites leaving Egypt, where I had to give my nicest stuff to my kid. I said, no, Fisher, I'm not going to give you this watch. I'm going to, you know, go to Walmart and buy a $20 Timex. You know, and I got it for him. And within a week, it looked like he put it in a blender. The the glass was shattered. The the strap had fallen off. But God God told the Israelites to to take the the Rolexes, the the fancy Nikes, the gold, the silver, and put it on your kids. And, And 40 years later, those kids are the ones who walked into the promised land. All the, all the older people could just not understand that they were blessed, that they were children of God, that they were free, that... But the kid, the kids were just kids. They were just going through the wilderness, having a good time, wearing this, the Egyptian you know, jewelry, the diamonds, and... And when they entered the promised land, it said that, like, none of their clothes were torn. That is the biggest miracle of finances in the Bible, that these kids that walked through the desert for 40 years playing hopscotch and baseball and you know, playing in the dirt and building sandcastles. Whatever. I don't know what they were doing. Being kids, not a sandal was torn, not, not a tear on their garments. They're, the watches were still, or their sundials, I don't know what they... But God wanted those kids to know, as you're entering the that I want you to know that you are blessed. It's, you have a covenant right to, to, to provision But also, right three days into the desert, God wanted them to know that this is a covenant promise. It's my very nature. It's a promise based upon who I am. I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. And this happened just three days into the wilderness, three days after crossing the Red Sea. Let's look at it in Exodus 15. We'll start in verse 22. Exodus 15, verse 22. It says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. So this is just three days into their wilderness journey. It says, Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained. This is the first time. They complained, and they did it until their bones were left in the desert. This is a major, major sin. And um, it said they complained and actually became bitter. You know, in Hebrews it says, Beware lest you be defiled by the root of bitterness. Bitterness. It's also a problem in the New Testament as well, even for people who are, who are in the promised land, entering the promised land now as believers. Don't, don't let bitterness take root. Don't become defiled with bitterness. And I know these people that they let a bitter root just, just go to town in their hearts because they complained. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of a bitter heart, the mouth complains. So the, those waters were not the only thing called Mara. they became Mara. They became bitter. You know you look at the story of Ruth her mother in law Naomi Naomi means sweet. you know some, some bad things happened to Naomi. she lost her her husband, she lost her two sons and, and she said i don 't want to be Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Call me bitter but God God changed her heart. She was willing over the course of time to to, to realize what God had given her. God, maybe I lost my husband, maybe I lost my two sons, but God gave me Ruth. And, and she, she decides she's gonna help Ruth. Ruth married Boaz. They had a child, and, and, and everyone realized that the blessing of the Lord was on Naomi. They said, you're, you're blessed more than having thousands of sons. Don't, don't let the situation that you're in Take root in your heart. Don't let those circumstances just take root in your heart. So they complained against Moses saying, what shall we do and verse 25? So he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. I believe that right here, Moses saw Jesus. He saw a picture of Jesus. You know, when, when, when um, Jesus was transfigured on the mount, Moses got to be there to witness that. Elijah got to be there. But I believe that Moses... Moses, when he saw this tree, he started getting really excited. He saw God's plan of redemption. He saw that healing was a part of redemption. From the law to the prophets, we see that healing is part of redemption. Healing is part of the children's bread. He saw this tree. He cast it into the waters. The tree represents the cross. It represents Jesus. The waters represent the Gentile nations. I'm going to talk later in this message about a specific Gentile who got to eat the children's bread. And Jesus made a point of talking about healing being the children's bread. He cast it into the waters, into the, 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 they represent the Gentile nations. The waters were made sweet. And I love this part here in verse 25. If, if you like to underline your Bible, underline these two words. It says, there he made a statute Underline statute, and there he made an ordinance. You can underline ordinance for them, and there he tested them. Those two words are really important in, in Hebrew. The word statute. The word statute, it's a very important word. I'm trying to find my notes here, what I wrote down there. I found it. What it is in Hebrew. I love, I love looking at Hebrew. I took biblical Hebrew for a year while I was getting my doctorate in music at Rice, and uh, the, the word for statute, it's the word chok. If you, if you have a little phlegm this morning, that's why God wanted to take them to the land of milk and honey so they could have that phlegm to speak that ch sound. Chok. That means a prescription. God here is making a statute. He's making a prescription for the children of Israel. He's going to reveal something to to them about who he is, this covenant about who he is. His very name, his very name being Jehovah Rapha, the Lord heals. His name is healing. We say, Jesus, your name is healing. Your name is life. The name of Jesus, the name of the Lord most high, the one who was, who is, who is to come. His name is forever healing. Healing. And you can just take the name of Jesus, and it will bring healing to your body. You can take it like a prescription. You can pray in the name of Jesus, just like you would take Tylenol, take an antibiotic. You can can take the name of Jesus, take the name Jehovah Rapha, like a prescription. This is a statute. It is something that God has prescribed, and it is an ordinance. The word ordinance is a judgment, mishpat. It means something that has been decided. You cannot debate this. You cannot say, well, God doesn't heal. God doesn't heal anymore. He only did that 2,000 years ago. He only did that for the first century church. And then God just ceased to be who he was. The power just ceased. No, God has forever decided this. There is no greater judge than God. And God said, this is a statute. This This is an ordinance. This is a, I've decided this. And this is what he said in verse 26, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians for I am. This is who God is. It's his very essence, his very nature. This is what he wants to do, especially for his kids. I am the Lord who heals you. I am Yahweh Rapha. I am Jehovah Rapha. This is one of the seven redemptive names of God found throughout the Old Testament. They all point to Jesus, our great Redeemer. They all point to what Jesus did for us at the cross. These redemptive names, they're sometimes called compound names. What is a compound word? A compound word is when you take two different words and you glue them together, making a whole new word. You take the word road, you take the word rail, you glue them together, make railroad. It makes a new word. You can't separate it. It means something. God is saying, my name, I am Yahweh. I am the one who was, the one who is, the one who forever will be. In John 8, Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. I am. He was directly saying, I am Yahweh. When that, that voice came from the burning bush, Moses said, what is your name that I can do? God said, I am is my name. I am that I am. The great I am Yahweh, he's saying, I am forever Rapha. I am forever a healer. It is my very essence. It is my very nature. I cannot be separated from this. It is a redemptive name. It points to, to, to what God wanted to do for us through redemption, through Jesus. There are so many promises of, of, of who the Messiah would be, what he would have to do, what promises he would have to fulfill, what prophecies he would have to fulfill. One of the greatest messianic prophecies is in Isaiah 53. Let's look at Isaiah 53. we'll read here in verse 4 and verse 5. This is speaking about the great Redeemer, about the Messiah. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we streamed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. I love this. When when I studied Hebrew, I I had to learn one of these words here in Isaiah 53 verse 4, the word for for carrying away. And I remember the the word to carry away is the Hebrew word nesach. And I I, I did this little trick in my mind to help me remember the word Nassah, that means to carry away. I lived in Houston. Uh, NASA, there's a big NASA, you know, space station there in Houston. NASA carries people away to outer space. Nassah is to carry away. This is the same word used in Leviticus talking about the scapegoat. The priests would lay their hands on the goat. They would lay the sins on that goat, and that goat would run away into the wilderness. It would carry away their sins. It would nassau their sins. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. He's that scapegoat, but he is much better than just the Old Testament way of, of, so that that scapegoat could carry away the sins into the wilderness, but it could not make people righteous. Jesus took our sins on the cross, but he also gives us righteousness. Yeah. That is why the new covenant is better than the old covenant. Jesus carried away, carried away our sickness, carried away our disease. He took the penalty for that upon the cross. But not only that, he gives us something. He gives us divine healing. He gives us that anointing oil. He gives us that, that we, we can catch that from other people. Even even just walking out of the temple, people could, could just catch it, being within six feet. Verse five, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, we are healed. The Messiah must atone for healing. The Messiah, if he is going to be the Messiah, he must. Be a healer. Jesus firmly established the covenant of healing. I love reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You just see Jesus healing wherever he goes. He was either going to heal someone, coming from healing someone, or currently healing someone. If you wanna take healing out of the Bible, you're gonna have to remove a lot of the Bible. Matthew, he realized that, that Jesus as the redeemer, he had to be a healer. And, and this, I love what Matthew says in Matthew 8, 16, 17. I love, I love a term that Matthew uses, that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. That it, this, is, this is why Jesus did certain things, that it might be fulfilled. Jesus had to fulfill the, 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 the redemptive aspect of of healing, of who God is. Matthew 8, 16, 17, Matthew says this, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. Say "all." all. All who were sick, that it might be fulfilled. Which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Matthew later says in Matthew 15, verse 30 and 31, great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, many others, and they they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Healing brings glory to God because that is who he is. He is a healer. You know, I grew up in this church. I grew up in in this church full of faith, full of grace. A lot of the body of Christ doesn't get this. They think, well, God gave sickness to to teach people things, to glorify. Sickness does not glorify God. Poverty does not glorify God. Healing is actually part of the children's bread. It's part of the blessing. It's part of why Jesus was wounded. It's part of the payment of his blood. If you say that, that it's not part of the payment, you're, you're diluting the blood of You're actually spitting in the blood of Jesus. I, I'm, I'm bold about preaching about healing, and I forever will be because I understand the value of the blood of Jesus. I understand the value of what he did on the cross for me, what he paid for me, what he took upon himself, and also what he gave me. Paul understood this in Galatians 3, 13, and 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us. The word redeem is a powerful word. It means to make a payment. Let me me ask you an economic question. Some of you who come to church here maybe have heard me say this before. Let me ask you an economic question. What determines something's value? Heard a couple, some people said, well, what people will pay for it. It's not just what people will pay for it. You know, I, I, I could, I have, I have a nice watch on right now. I got it for a good deal, I'm gonna sell it for more, make money on it, tithe on it, support Heather's giving <laughs> with it, with the proceeds. But it's a nice watch. If I were to, to just auction it off to y'all right now, someone might say, well, Aaron, I see that, that's, that's a Rolex you got on. I'll give you $100 for it. So, Who would give me $100 for this watch? There's a few of you. Not, not all of you. Y- y'all aren't that smart. You want to... If someone, if I trusted them, you know, and thought they were legit, about half of you think I'm legit, half of you don't, apparently. Half of you don't trust me. Oh, he's, he's like, yeah, he's ready to... Mark's, he's, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> he's ready to go for it. So you might say, well, who would give me $1,000 for this? Well, someone, who would give me, no, well, me 2000 So, So Mark might say, oh, I'll give you 100 bucks." What determines something val- something's value isn't just what people are willing to pay for. It's what the highest Bitter is willing to pay for it. You know, your, your mom and dad might have not really loved you enough. They might have, you might feel that they, value, they undervalued you. Maybe, maybe you're married to someone who undervalues you right now a lot of times, every now and then. Maybe your boss undervalued you. Maybe your pastor undervalued you. Maybe a certain political party undervalued you, whatever. Whatever. You need to realize what determines your value is the highest bidder's willingness to pay. God Almighty determines my value because He paid the highest price. He loves me more than anyone else does. He paid so much for me, so much for you. God loves you so much that he would give his only begotten son that who would ever believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's how much God loves you. That's what determines your value. It's not whether someone was mean to you. Someone didn't recognize you enough. Someone didn't thank you God Almighty determines your value. He was willing to pay the most. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. I love this. He, he paid with his blood to do something. When you pay for something, that you, you, there's something you want. What did Jesus want when he paid with his own blood on the cross? He wanted to redeem us from the curse of the law. If you want to understand the power of the blood, you need to know the purpose of the blood that was shed. It was to redeem you from the curse of the law. He actually became a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So, Jesus, with his blood, he, he wanted to take the curse upon himself. So, what is the curse? You can read about it in Deuteronomy 28. It starts with the blessing, and then it goes on to the curse. The curse, poverty is part of the curse. Jesus died on the cross, so you don't have to struggle financially all the time, be in this cycle of just defeat and despair financially. God does not want that. Poverty does not glorify God. The curse includes defeat. I I love being a part of this church. This is a victorious church. I know as long as the church is on this earth, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I know that the gates of hell will not prevail in Colorado Springs because Karis Christian Center is here. Deuteronomy 20, the curses also include sickness. And and you can read about it. it. It names a lot of sicknesses, consumption, fever, inflammation, severe burning fever, boils, tumors, scab, itch, Madness, mental illness, blindness, confusion of heart, being confused. There's a lot of confusion out in the world today. There's some songs I will not sing. There, there used to be this song that's really popular on the Christian radio. The, the, the very first lyric was, I'm so confused. Turn that garbage off. Turn on Johnny Cash and say, I've been everywhere, man. I tell, you know, I have a classical music background and whenever Heather gets in my car, I got, you know, the classical music station I wanna get in her car, she's got country music going. Country music oftentimes is more uplifting than, than Christian radio. <laughs> Confusion of heart prolonged illness. It also says in verse 61, every sickness, every plague which is not written in the book of the law. So even sicknesses that aren't mentioned, even sicknesses that maybe lab fabricated years down the road and released by who knows who. You know, just, just a little over a week ago we went on vacation, and um, about six months ago I had, I had a filling done in, in my far back molar, and it was, it was like a really deep cavity, and it's like right between two teeth, and, and my dentist said, uh, you probably need a root canal, I'm going to try to do without it, and you'll find out later, you know, if I did a good job or not. You find out later my Rafa skills as a dentist, and, and uh, it, it, it's been a few months. I've had a lot of sensitivity, but I, I didn't want to go back. I don't, I don't like dentists too much. It makes me want to pass out just thinking about people in your mouth drilling around. and It's like you're being abducted by aliens. I got this probe light, and... And we, we, we get on the plane to go, go on vacation. As soon as we get on the plane, just my, my tooth is just throbbing, just intense pain. And I'm, and I, I like, it, it was so much pain, I, I couldn't even hardly pray. I said, Jesus, heal me. Just, just the name of Jesus is a prescription that you can take. I said, Heather, just pray for me. Jesus, heal this tooth. Toothache isn't mentioned in Deuteronomy 28, but it's part of verse 61. Every sickness, every plague. The next day, it was completely fine. I couldn't, I couldn't do any, that, that tooth, I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't drink any, just any, I couldn't even touch it with my tongue, and it just throb, like, I want to just fall down on the ground and cry like a toddler. We already have that going on, flying with our toddler. <laughs> I'm so thankful that healing is part of the covenant, that you can just say the name of Jesus. 1 Peter 2, verse 24, it says, "'He who himself bore our sins in his own body "'on the, t- on the tree that we, having been dead to sin,' might live for righteousness. I love that. By whose stripes you were healed. He became a curse for us. The, I love this. That the blessing of Abraham. He took the curse upon himself. But this is something better than the old covenant. In the new covenant, we get something given to us. When he died, he, he, he paid for the curse. But when he rose again, Some people forget about the power of the resurrection when he rose again. If he had just died, the the, the payment for sin would have been done away with. It was a perfect sacrifice. But he rose again, and because he rose again, he he, he was made high priest. God gave an oath saying that he is forever high priest, forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek blessed Abram. He brought out bread. He brought out wine. And he told Abram, you are blessed by the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. God wants us to have that blessing, the blessing of Abraham, that it might come upon the Gentiles. I love that. The Gentiles. It's not just Israeli kids wearing all their Egyptian bling." The Gentiles, that means everyone else. We might have some people who who are ethnic Jews here today. I know we have some people in the church that are ethnic Jews. I, I love Jewish people. I love the nation of Israel. But we get to be a part. The Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You know, in in the New Testament, Jesus wanted us to understand that, that he actually established some statutes and ordinances. He gave some prescriptions, some things that he decided. Communion is a New Testament prescription. You can actually take communion for healing. Jesus said, this is my body. This is my bread broken for you. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, right before he was going to the cross, he wanted them to realize what I am paying for. He gave thanks. He broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. I'm thankful that we are in the new covenant. This do as often as, often as, you, as often as you need it. When you take a prescription, whenever you need it. As often as you drink, drink in remembrance of me. For often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Healing is ours because his body was broken for us. It is our bread. Healing is our bread. Forgiveness is ours because his blood was poured for us. It is the wine of the new covenant. Healing and forgiveness go hand in hand. They are two sides of the same coin. Have you ever tried to strip one side of a coin away? You can't do it. Healing and forgiveness go hand in hand. Jesus would often heal people and tell them they were forgiven. You see it all throughout. Jesus wanted to forgive people. He wanted to heal people. Healing is the children's bread. Let's look at Matthew 15. God showed me something really cool about this in Matthew 15. We'll start in verse 21. And he showed me how this relates to my opening verse from Psalm 37, I have been young and now old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. Healing is the children's bread. Matthew 15, verse 21, it says, Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Why would Jesus want to go to Tyre and Sidon? Sidon, Sidon is actually a famous place in the Bible. It's not a pretty place. It's not a nice place. Very spiritual people would think that there's a lot of bad stuff there in Sidon. It was the, the capital of Baal worship. It, it is where Jezebel was from. God actually sent Elijah to Sidon, to a woman in a city in the region of Sidon. He sent Elijah to this widow woman in Sidon this woman of Zarephath. And God said, I'm going to pr- provide for you there. Very interesting. Actually, the very first message that Jesus ever preached, he mentioned this widow woman in Sidon. Jesus said, you know, there, there were many, many widows during this famine, this three-year famine. But Elijah was sent to this woman in Sidon. There were many lepers but none was healed except Naaman. And, and Jesus was making a point. It's not about your DNA. It's about faith. In the realm of faith, God is blind. In the realm of the spirit, God is blind to everything but faith. You know, I, I have a background in classical music. When, when I was um, Going to grad school at Rice University, I had a good friend who played bassoon, and he took an audition for the top paid bassoon position in the country. He auditioned for the principal bassoon. What is a bassoon? A bassoon is this big wooden thing It sounds like a fart. So he is a very talented bassoon player. He he decided to apply for, there's not a lot of high-paying bassoon jobs out there. But he, you know, at at the age of 22, he auditioned for the, the Met Opera Orchestra in New York City. It's the top paid orchestra in the country, and the Met Opera, it's it's they have a very unique audition process. It's the highest paid orchestra. So when he uh, applied, he sent his resume. There were like four or five hundred bassoonists who sent their resume. They invited around 200 people to come to New York City and to audition. There, the Met Opera, they 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 do. Blind auditions, like you've ever seen the show, The Voice. People hear the singer and they can't look at him. They can only hear their voice. So they do a blind audition. They have a screen, a curtain up on the stage. And they, 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 they keep that curtain up the entire audition. So you're just given a number, number 1 through 200. He gets up there number 123, whatever number he was in audition. They actually lay carpet out on the stage. So when you walk out on the stage, they can't even hear how your shoes click. So, they can't tell if you're a woman or a man. Or He auditioned, got past the first round, made it to the second round, third round, fourth round. They whittle it down from 400 bassoonists down to the final two. The final two play behind that screen and they, they choose the winner. He was the winner. They didn't know anything about him, they didn't know if he was a man if he was a woman, if he was 22, if he was 80, if he was white, if he was black, if he was rich, he was poor, this is how God sees people in the realm of the spirit. He is blind to everything but faith. He doesn't care how old you are. He doesn't care how smart you are. He doesn't care what your, how much money you make. All these promises are available through faith in Jesus. That's why Jesus talked about Naaman. He talked about this Sidonian widow. And I believe this is why he wanted to go to Tyra and Sidon. Sidon was probably still not a very nice place. And Mark, Mark talks about this Canaanite woman and said she was a Syrian woman. Syrians hate Israelites, they still do today. Every time I look at the news every couple of months, the Syrians are firing rockets off at Israel. I visited you know, the, the, the Syrian-Israeli border, and they said, we, we like living here right at the border because the rockets actually fly over our heads. We're safe right here at the border. So he goes and talks to this Sidonian, Canaanite, Syrian, Greek, whatever she was, most of us Gentiles don't really know what we are. We're kind of a mix. We're mongrels. You know, we have two dogs. When we got married, I had my dog, a purebred Scottish Terran, and Heather has a Gentile, mongrel, whatever. But he was grafted in. He's part of the family, whether I like it or not. I'm. So he... Matthew 15, 21, he goes out into the region of Tyre and Sidon. Sidon is probably still, at this time, the Mecca of Baal worship. Behold, a woman of Canaan. She's also called a Greek, a Syrophoenician woman. We don't really know. She's just a Gentile woman. She is, she's not yet a child. She hasn't been grafted in yet at this point. She came. From that region, cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. Son of David. She's using a very specific term that she actually didn't have a right to use. She's saying, Son of David. Son of David is the term used for the Messiah, the one who would restore, who would be the king of Israel. She was not part of the kingdom of Israel. She was part of the Roman Empire. She had no dealings with with the house of David. But she she heard from from people that there was a Messiah that would be coming, and she figured out that this is probably him. Son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. Said he answered her not a word. He answered her not a word. He didn't say anything. He was just waiting to see what happened. He was waiting, the, the screen was up. Who is this woman? Who is this person? The screen, in the realm of the Spirit, the only thing that God Almighty sees, the only thing that Jesus sees is faith. The screen is up. What's going to cut through this screen? She's just begging, begging, begging. To the point that disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. He didn't say, he was just listening. But then he answered and spoke to them and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She overheard what he said to his disciples. He said, I was first sent to the house of Israel. Verse 25, something shifts here. Something cuts through the veil. Something cuts through that curtain. Something cuts through. She worships him. She worshiped him. Man, worship is so important. It's so powerful. I love that Ashley was just talking about just give, because God's after your heart. He's talking about giving as an act of worship. Like the woman with the alabaster box, she wasn't trying to manipulate Jesus, she was worshiping him. Her offering was just out of her love for Jesus, out of her love for who he is. He, he's my Savior. He forgives, he heals, he loves me, he cares. This is my worship. This woman worshiped him. Just she, she, didn't, she didn't beg anymore. She just worshiped him and said, Lord, help me. Verse 26, he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread. He's saying healing is the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. This curtain is still up. She said something super powerful in verse 27. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. That was not a begging statement. That was not a slave statement. That was not a Baal worshiper statement. That was a bold statement of faith. She said, healing is the children's bread. I don't know what I am. Matthew doesn't know what I am. Mark doesn't know what I am. Am I Greek? Am I Syrian? Am I Canaanite? What? I might be a dog, but you're my master. I'm worshiping you, and this is my bread. Our little mongrel dog, Willie, if he hops up up on the table, he does. He hopped up on the table and grabbed a, a chicken bone and ran off with it to the laundry room. You cannot pry that thing from his mouth. I got a broom and tried to swipe it out of his mouth. and There, there, he could, there could have been a 20-foot grizzly standing in front of him wanting that chicken bone, and he wouldn't give it up. That's what this woman is like. I might be a little dog, but I know what little dogs can do. Jesus answered and said, that statement when she worshiped him and when she made that statement, it cut through the veil. It didn't matter that she was a woman. It didn't matter who or, what her kid was dealing with. It didn't matter that she was from Sidon. It, the only thing that mattered was faith, and that faith cut right through the curtain, right to the very heart of God. And Jesus answered and said, a woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. In Mark's account, Jesus said, Because of this, because of what you have spoken. You can add that to this if you put both accounts together. Woman, because of what you have spoken, great is your faith. Faith speaks, faith cuts through the veil. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Healing is the children's bread. It's a covenant promise to the believer. The same time Jesus paid for your forgiveness, he paid for your healing. Amen. Welcome to the promised land. Man, the promise of God, they, the kingdom gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I love thinking about the Israelites when they left Egypt, when they left the house of bondage. To, to, to leave To leave the kingdom of darkness, it's incredibly narrow, incredibly narrow. There's only one way to leave the kingdom of darkness, to leave kingdoms, to leave Satan's kingdom. It's incredibly narrow. Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Just like the Israelites, the only way they could leave Egypt was through this miracle passage in the Red Sea. But once you come out of the kingdom of darkness, come out of the house of bondage, the promised land is incredibly expansive. It is actually limitless. And every promise that we have as believers, it is available to us through Jesus. When Joshua was leading the Israelites into the promised land, God didn't, didn't He said, wherever your foot touches, Wherever your foot goes, this will be yours. This will be the, what, your promise. Whatever you can expand to. There is no limit to what we have through the blood of Jesus, what has been paid for us and what can now be given to us. When you're walking in that kingdom of light, it, it is the, the, that kingdom keeps growing and growing and growing. And it's going to keep growing for all eternity. Amen? Amen. Awesome. All right. I'm done. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.